friends, Christy Teji here, your host for the Productive Passions Podcast. Let me ask you, is there something different you dream of doing, but don't know where to begin? If you're feeling suffocated, anxious, or you feel there's something different calling you, come along with me for candid conversations with people who have embarked on a journey to put their passions to work for them. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Life is too short to stay stuck. As we kick off the Productive Passions podcast, I can't think of a better way than talking about gratitude. In this special edition episode, we're speaking with Brendan Cam, CEO of Thanks. Brendan shares his passion for infusing gratitude into regular business practices. He was so passionate about giving gratitude a permanent place that he co-created the company Thanks for doing just that. Brendan, welcome and thank you for joining me today. Chrissy, I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Could you tell me a little bit about the mission of Thanks? Yeah, so the mission really revolves around infusing gratitude into the daily business lives that we have. So if you think about relationships in business, it's gotten so transactional. We're on Zoom calls now. We do the, the dinner occasionally or the thing, but not like we used to do. And even when we used to do it, right, the sort of follow-ups to that become very transactional. It's less about us as humans and more about the contract and the deal. And obviously, that's part of what we all need to do. But what I found is those things can go a lot smoother when you have the relationship. It's that idea that everyone likes to do business with people they like, and everyone likes someone who appreciates them. So if you can combine those things and infuse that into your daily business life, you can really make a difference in business. You can feel better about what you're doing. You can just make deeper connections with the folks you're working with. And this is something we try to educate people on. It's not just about this deal or this thing we're trying to get done this week or this quarter. It's your lifelong network. So it's sort of a, you are your own brand in business, certainly. And so if you can have a brand that revolves around gratitude and thoughtfulness, that's just going to bring you so much further as you move through your career or move into different jobs. It's that thinking long-term and really developing those relationships and not just thinking of it as, I got to get to hit that number or get that deal done. That's so true. And I found even in my own experience, exactly what you said. When people like you, they're more willing to do business with you, even if it's not the smoothest, even if there's somebody who's got a faster, easier, better, maybe a little bit less expensive way. It's really those relationships. And so it sounds to me like thanks really helps to develop or can help to develop those relationships. It's exactly that. And build that trust, right? Because when you have trust between you and your your contact, your client, your prospect, you're more likely to be able to build something together. And part of that is, again, getting to know someone as a human. An example I can give you recently, I got really into The Bear on FX, the TV show. And so I was that guy for a while. I was going around asking everyone, are you watching it? Are you watching it? Have you seen it? But it would kind of come up and it came up on one of my business calls. And personally, the other end of the call, I just said, no, I haven't seen it yet, but I definitely want to. And so when I got off the call, I was thinking about what thanks I would send. And I realized I could actually send, you know, three months of Hulu. It's like $12 or something for almost nothing. I was able to send that and say, hey, you got to check out the show. It's on Hulu. So I'm buying it for you. And what that did, besides making me feel great that I was able to be thoughtful and come up with something cool, but it gave me something that I could talk outside of the deal we were working on. I could just shoot a text or a call and just see the latest episode to see what happened. Let's talk about it. Right. And, and we did. We developed like a friendship outside of business we were conducting. And I think that just makes it so much more powerful. And that's someone I guarantee you I'll do business with outside of thanks and 
in future roles and everything else that happens in our lives. So it really helps to make that connection. And that's really what we're going for with the product. I was trying to remember the first time I learned about things, and I can't even remember how I learned about it, but I've used it several times and not necessarily with customers, although I have. I've used thanks following an interview. I used thanks after meeting a friend's family who was just extremely generous and welcoming to me. And this is a family that wants for nothing. But I learned just a little bit about them to learn that they loved this little tea and had this ritual. So I could send that to them. I sent them a tea from Starbucks and said, thank you for spending this time with me. Thank you for inviting me. And it meant so much that the reception that I got from them, I felt like I was able to give that back a little bit. Yeah. So I think it's a wonderful platform to be able to give back to a variety of people. Yeah. And this is probably self-defeating to my business, but I think you really nailed it in that idea of the smaller little gesture sometimes just goes even further than the grand gesture or the big, oftentimes those things can be inappropriate depending on, you know, how well you know someone or where you are in a relationship. But even when the time comes where I could send the $500 bottle of wine, we offer things like that on thanks, but sometimes it's that small, hey, it's raining in New York today and and I know you have to take the subway, so I'm going to send you an Uber ride. The ride's on me. That just has that little extra layer of thought versus this huge gift or gesture that you might do in another circumstance, just need those little things that can be more frequent and more thoughtful. It's not about the dollar value. It's about that thought and that you listened. And that's exactly how we we try to educate people on using something like thanks or just using, forget our product, but using gratitude within their relationship building. Part of the reason we focus on business, it's really hard to do in business. So I use it like you do. I'll use it personally all the time. I've done it where I've come home later than I told the babysitter, you know, and I can buy them breakfast or something the next morning. But in business, it's really hard because you've got all these rules around what you can and can't do, right? There's compliance, budgets and expensing. And so we try to take care of all that with the software to really let people focus on it because I think it can be a crutch. I would do something, but I don't have the time. I, I, I can't put in the effort. I'm not even sure what I'm allowed to do. So, okay, if we can eliminate all those barriers, now that excuse is out the window, right? You can focus on your relationship. So let me ask you a little bit more about you and how you got started. First, I'd love to hear, how do you describe yourself? Well, I'm certainly competitive. I'm inner driven. It's almost like a game at all times, even in business for me. I want to win and figure things out and solve problems. There's those tough days where you're stressed out and you're like, why can't everything just go smooth? And when I'm being honest with myself, like that would be miserable for me too. I need the issues and the problems and probably partially what led me into entrepreneurship because then it all buck stops with you. There's no blame to give. There's no place else I can look other than, well, look, if something's not working or we're not solving it, that's literally my role. No one's telling me what I can or can't do. So that's up to me to make sure I solve it, whether that's for myself or a team member. And I kind of love that, even though it's also the most stressful part. So I think that's a big part of my personality. There's that itch I can scratch by having the problems to solve. It does make sense. And I was going to ask this a little bit later, but you brought this up. So it's a perfect time. It is in the problems that make us grateful for the times that are easy, that are joyful. But in starting a company like Thanks, there had to have been some struggles. There had to have been some naysayers. Can you tell me about the struggle 
to get something like this started. It's fantastic. Now, you guys are riding this wave of success and people really appreciating what you do, but it couldn't have started out that way. No. And I have this sort of almost cliche story of the seven or eight months, I think it was about eight months with no salary and the funding that we thought we had had fallen through and we didn't quite have a full product that we could raise more money off of. So all the kind of classic horror stories, I was able to live through them for the added level of difficulty for me. When I decided to leave my job to pursue this, my wife was pregnant with our third child. I bring it up because my wife is an absolute saint that I've done this to her a couple of times in our relationship. Maybe that's deep ingrained in me too. Like there's a child on the way. Well, I'm going to make a big change. I've done it and changed jobs. And I left the corporate job to go to a startup. I think when my first son was being born. So anyway, this is maybe something in my mental state that I should examine at some point. But it gave me something extra that said, I need to push through and make this happen, but also makes it more stressful in that, okay, we've got this big life change. What's going to happen next? And I think it's really important if you want to embark on creating your own thing that everything is going to work very differently than how you expect it to work. The timing will be different. The things that go right and wrong will be different. And it's that ability to roll with it. But I think also just have confidence and maybe a little naivety. Like I think being a little naive about it and almost blocking some of it out is beneficial. In some ways, it's like, I think someone smarter than me maybe wouldn't have continued when it got tough because it probably wasn't the right decision on paper. But it's not going to be logical to get past from, I guess, zero to one is the, the term they use. I don't think there's a lot of necessarily logic in there. If there is, I think that's more when you're following a more traditional sort of VC route of starting a company. That tends to be a little more, not a cookie cutter. It's always going to be difficult, but there's sort of a playbook for you. When we started Thanks, we definitely didn't follow that. We didn't go down traditional fundraising routes or traditional sort of business building routes. That's probably something that's ingrained in my personality as well. Just to be a, a little counter, I like being a little different. And it, again, gives me something to prove. It's probably really just proving it to myself, but I tell myself I have something to prove outwardly. And that seems to help motivate me as well. So during that time, were you scared at all? Did you think at some point, gosh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this? Daily. But at the same time, I find a lot of strength in the idea that I have the confidence that it's just money, meaning there's ways to make money, right? And I've been in the job that I didn't like that paid me a lot of money. I'm not the type of person I think that looks at the corporate ladder and goes, oh, I can go from driving my Corolla to a Lexus to a Porsche. Like those aren't the things that excite me. But it's not to say I don't like nicer things or monets, but I'd rather take the risk of going big and having the like huge lifestyle change. Because to me, the thing I would value most would be the time and flexibility. And I think this comes a little bit with age. I'm probably a little older. So I'm in my younger 40s now, which is actually technically a little bit older than a lot of entrepreneurs, but it gives you a very different perspective than someone who's 26 and starting a company in terms of what matters to me. So sure. it was never, well, I just got to get rich, right? It was, yeah, that's a byproduct of then having time where I can be with my kids or go on a long vacation or, or do the things that are less about money and more about whether you're reporting to someone and whether you have someone who can tell you what to wear every day or what time to be somewhere. Like that to me is the sort of end goal of what I'm looking for. I, I guess the money is a means to that, but that's not something I'm going to accomplish. I'm um, not that there's anything wrong with growing an amazing career. Like as much success as we've had with thanks, it's great. I've got buddies making 10, 20 times more than I'll probably ever make. 
and they're in jobs they love, but I would never be able to do those jobs. You know, some things in finance or investor world. So you got to find something that makes you happy and driven, I think. Otherwise, you're not going to push through it. So what I'm hearing you say is, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you had this vision, this dream. You didn't have it all laid out. And like you said, on paper, it didn't necessarily make sense. Right. But you had confidence, got a little competitive nature about you. And it sounds like you have a great support to try it. And if it didn't work out, it's not the end of the world because you could get a nine to five if you needed to. It wasn't going to break you if this thing didn't work out. Yeah. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I felt that way because I did have a little career behind me. It wasn't like I was starting fresh out of college or hadn't had career growth and shown that I could sell, right? And selling is a, probably a good one for that. But you can usually find if you have a good track record in sales, there's a role for you somewhere. Again, maybe these are just things I told myself to get through. But that was kind of how I felt going into it. Like, I will be okay. I'll find a way. I'll go back to my wife, Susie. She's got a master's degree. She had a really successful career. She chose to stay home with the kids when we had them. But there was always this like, you know what? Wars came and I really screw up. Like, I can take that role and she would have no problem, you know, based on her. There's privilege in that I had that as like, okay, I'm not sitting on any kind of nest egg or any money at all, but I feel like I can make it or I can get back to making it if I needed to. So I think that was really helpful. And I think also from a problem solving standpoint, it wasn't just that I saw a problem that I thought I could solve. It was that I actually felt like it was being done wrong. So it gave me like a personal, almost a little vendetta in that like, I need people to understand why I think this is a better way. Not just because it's like easier to do or, you know, all the business sort of elements go into it. That's sort of your product. But the idea itself was a little bit more of like that vision of, well, this is just the way people should be. Like, well, I'll be happier if we can infuse this gratitude into this a little better. I think that comes across when you actually feel strongly about something like that. Sure. When you're passionate about something, right? Yeah. I love our product. Don't get me wrong. But like, I don't know if I'm passionate about business software, of course, right? Of but it's course. the idea behind it that like, yeah, I do really feel strongly that this is something that should be there. And like, I don't want to be preachy about it, but man, it's a shift to get people to think like we won't use the word gift at thanks because we're like, no, it's gratitude. It's thoughtful gestures. Of course, people can use it to send a gift. We just want that so far out of our minds in terms of what we're trying to actually accomplish from a vision standpoint. I'd like to know a little known fact about you. Mm, that's a good question. I almost treat my personal self in a similar way that I would treat my business, I guess, is a way to put it. Like, I'll do an annual review of myself, like, as a husband, as a father. And so it's this weird sort of melding of the things I've learned in my business life and then try to figure out, okay, how do I improve myself as a human? Obviously, I don't want business to be my life. And yet I find the best way to make that assessment and to get better is to kind of almost treat myself like a business. And it sounds a little crazy when I say it out loud. It's not something I've really ever said, but I think it's very easy to take, I'm going to go home and be stressed out because of business. And so I don't want to go play with the kids tonight. But if that was my business, I wouldn't skip out on playing with the kids just because I didn't feel like it because that's what I'm supposed to do here, right? And so I don't know, it's a weird way to like kind of assess yourself, I think. But I find it really helps me to push through things just like I would push through them on the business side. Like, okay, how do I get better? And how do I not just treat my personal life as a, well, I can just do what I want here. I love that. So your job, you're very mindful about who you are and how you run it. 
but then I don't want to say job because being a parent isn't a job. But if you want to be good at that, it can't be the thing that just gets left behind or the thing that's secondary. If you want to be good at that, reflecting on that makes sense. I really like that. I think that's really smart. And your family probably benefits from that reflection. I hope so. And then there's times where I'm like, man, this is a lot harder than growing a business or doing any of this other stuff, you know? But it's way to try to get better at it, at least. Even if sure. I, I always am. What did you want to be when you were 10 years old? So this is a, kind of a funny one and maybe how I ended up in business. I loved basketball. I played basketball my whole life. I played all through college. But even at 10, I didn't want to be like an NBA basketball player. I wanted to be the general manager of an NBA team. Interesting. Like, don't get me wrong. I thought I was well good enough to be an NBA player, the whole, of course, because that's what you think at 10. But it still always was like the real dream would be I'm the guy picking the team and drafting the players and trading the players. That was really my dream as like a young boy. And I remember telling my parents that and this is what I'm, I'm going to be the general manager of the New York Knicks. That's going to be my job. Well, I think what you're doing isn't that far off, right? <laughs> you're picking your team. Yeah. You've picked a winning team. And you're the general manager, so to speak. Well, you're the CEO. You're running this. So it's interesting. And I ask that because I'm interested in that correlation between what you wanted to be when you were a little kid and where you are now. And it sounds to me like, well, it's not basketball, although I know you've got some basketball players on your team. Or, yeah. (laughs) yeah. So it sounds like you're not far off from what you dreamed of as a 10-year-old. Yeah. And it's funny when you bring that up because you're right. I have two former professional basketball players on our staff and uh, a few more athletes. So I guess I've surrounded myself a little bit in that world anyway. You've built your team. That's right. And I don't want to take my team against your team in any kind of sport. (laughs) We're definitely rares when it comes to the corporate uh, sports leagues around Nashville. That's for sure. I don't doubt that at all. Tell me who is the most influential person or who has had the most influence in your life, personally or professionally? So, man, there's so many people I take pieces from, people I've worked with, bosses, like just people I follow online. But if I was going to pinpoint one person, it's actually my older brother. He's three years older than me. We grew up very close. He's done a lot of different things. He's owned some smaller businesses. He's been an investor. But really the thing that he does for me more than anything is... I can call him up with a complaint or an issue or something. He just has this way of showing me that I am usually way too in the weeds or way overthinking it. Or he's like, look, I know you don't have the answer, but you're going to get the answer. Like, this is not as big a deal as you're making it out to be. He just gives me that perspective and kind of like someone who knows you really well, but can sit outside of the things you're doing every day. Because even like I brought up Susie a couple of times, my wife, and she's fantastic, but is very close to the business and to me every day. So doesn't have that sort of like arm's length from it. Whereas Justin, my older brother, is someone who's like, I don't know, he knows me so well, but then just hears about it from me. So he gets that sort of outside perspective. And it's tough to find someone who's got those two things, both an arm's length, but also an intimate knowledge of how I think and where my blockers are and all that. So he's probably the one I would name as like, the most important for me. How important is that to have someone like him that can be maybe a confidant or to be that trusted advisor when you need someone other than your board, your teammates, your partner? How important is that to you? 
Yeah, I don't think I could do it without it. Even so, like my, my business partner is Business Larry. We are very different, which is helpful, but we also have some very similar business ideas in terms of how things should be run. And that can lead you down a path where you end up with blinders on as well. So one thing I like about him and our relationship is we are very good at being able to take opposite sides of an issue and butt heads on it and know that well, we're just trying to get to the bottom of it. Um, but there are times, and it's when it's almost scariest for me, when we fully agree on something in a path, and that's when I know I need to call Justin and say, hey, we're really, really confident in this. And that scares me, right? I'd rather have with the board or with my business partner that kind of like, well, no, did you think about this? Or I don't agree with that because you get to the bottom of it. When everyone agrees on a path that I actually get really worried. Completely agree with that. And I've done that in the past in the work experiences is say, hey, if we're all in agreement, someone has to argue the opposite side. Even if you don't agree with it, you've got to argue it because it's in those moments that you find unintended consequences. Yes, definitely. It's so important. And it's like, it feels good in the moment. You're like, all right, we know what we're doing. Wait a minute, back up. We're missing something if we're all... Right. Was there anybody telling you that you shouldn't pursue this? Anybody that said, hey, man, you're going to lose it all. Yeah, most people not directly. My parents are probably the closest to directly, right? Because I'm still their baby and they very much are more traditional. Like my dad worked the same company for 40 years and that's what you do. So very supportive, but like you could feel a little more of, are you sure? But you get a lot of, I don't know, coded maybe is the word where no one really wants to, you almost wish someone would just tell you directly, well, why do you think this is going to fail? Like, please just tell me, you're not going to hurt my feelings. It would be more beneficial. But I think people genuinely want to encourage, but you can see it in the questioning or very clearly when someone's like, yeah, this isn't going to work for you. The only exception to that maybe is when you go to raise money. You know, your first couple of meetings are always like, we love it. This is great. Let's take a closer look. And then when it comes time to like, okay, are you going to invest? Let me tell you why your baby's ugly. I appreciate getting that. But man, there's so much rejection. It's another one where like a sales background is helpful because I'm like, yeah, whatever. I used to do 50 phone calls and get 49 no's anyway. So I think I've got a thick enough skin there, but I can see where if you haven't had that background, it can be really jarring. Um, They've even had... It can be very hurtful. Yeah. Because it is your baby. Right. Totally. And you're like, oh, and your baby's the most beautiful, perfect thing that ever existed, right? Always. Yeah. And you tell yourself, like, they just don't get it, or that's fine. We're just not a good fit. And then you kind of gets dark out at night and you're laying in the bed and you're like, well, maybe they're right. What am I yeah. doing? You just got to push those thoughts out. At the same time, you got to be practical. If everyone's telling you that and you're not getting the traction, I'm not a like push through forever. Or you can't ever quit. Like, sometimes it's just not going to work. And that's okay too. But balancing that, there's no good answer. Like, you just kind of got to look inside and know at that point. So can you tell me about the moment where you said, this is it, I'm doing this, I have these doubts, I've been thinking about it, I'm laying awake at night. I've heard these people, maybe not saying outright, but maybe suggesting that this isn't the best idea. When was the moment that you pulled the trigger? You said, I'm going to take this leap and do this thing. So I was at a prior company running kind of sales and client services. I kind of knew I was ready for something new. This actually, to me, goes hand in hand with gratitude. I don't like to be a complainer. I like finding solutions, looking forward, being grateful. Everything's not going to be great. That's fine. And I found myself like coming home and complaining. I was cognizant of not doing it at work, but I would come home and I would, man, this, I don't know why we're doing this. 
this sucks. Like, why I wouldn't do it this way. And at some point, you can't be the person who's like, yeah, no complaints. Like, that's not how we do it. We just find solutions. And then look yourself in the mirror and say like, all right, pal, if you can do it better, go do it better. Like, you got to kind of have that self-conversation at some point if you're going to always think that you do know a way. So that goes back to like, I feel confident. So I'm comfortable that I think I have some answers. But until you go and take the risk, that doesn't mean anything. So it was a little bit of that, like look myself in the mirror and go, well, Tommy's never going to be right. There's this opportunity here. I've got this partner who we're able to kind of what I think is really important, which is argue and not have it be personal and come to a conclusion. Why not now? Again, it's like, I think that corporate job will always be there. I don't know if that's always true, but it felt like it at the time. So I thought I could always go back and find a corporate job. But if I'm really going to think I know how to do this better, I got to go prove that mostly to myself. So really for you, it was the why not? Why not take the chance? Why not take that leap of faith? You have the experience. You knew you didn't like how it was being done and there was another way. Yeah, and I'll tell you, sometimes you need someone to give you that little boost too. And so Larry had actually said to me, so his role here, he's invested in the business. He's actually our executive chairman. He's on the board, but knew he wasn't going to want to do like kind of the day-to-day running of it. Sure. When we were first talking about it, I, I remember the very beginning saying like, yeah, I think I can definitely be the CRO. This is what I do. I know all this stuff. And he kind of was like, is there a reason you think you can't be the CEO? And I was like, no, I guess not. Like, that's sort of the point, right? That I keep saying, like, I can do this. And he just said that and walked away. Like, there was no additional conversation or anything else. He left it to me to come back and be like, yeah, you're right. That's basically what I'm saying I want to do. Why well, don't I have the confidence to just say it? To- so I was going to ask you that. Why was it that you didn't say CEO right away? Is it because you need to be humble and have somebody else say that? Or was it a confidence thing? Or tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a good question. And obviously it's a memory that stuck with me. I, I'm not even sure Larry would remember that conversation. And I don't think it was like a humble thing. I think I had the confidence that I could do it. It just didn't even occur to me that like, that would be the thing. Like, of course it is. That's the whole reason I want to go do it is because I'm telling myself, I think I know how to do this. I think I know better. But it's one of those like, you've never done it. And it's in your head, well, I'll grow into it, I'll learn. But at some point to be a founder, there's nothing else to learn. You just take the leap. Like no one's going to yeah. know how to do the thing. It doesn't exist. So there's no one to learn it from. You can obviously learn how to be a CEO. And I'm still very much learning and try to talk to people all the time. But in terms of like how to start this business, there's no one to learn it from. It's unique and they all are. So, Wow. We talked about the idea of thanks happen because of your experience. So where did the idea for the name come from? Yeah. So interestingly enough, it was originally thanks.biz. We didn't actually have the .com. We also originally were pitching it. I, I, like, I still have a copy of our very first pitch deck, which is very funny to look at. Isn't that careful. fun to look at? Ooh, it's bad. Um, yes. I would encourage anyone, if you start something, save all your, everything from our first business card to like, I, I love that we decided to save that stuff. You cringe at it a little bit, but like where you started, right? That's right. And we started this almost eight years ago, which doesn't feel like that long, but amazing how quick the tech and the world changes. So our first deck was all about how we are a mobile first platform. And it was all about how there was all these stats of how more and more people in business are using mobile phones, like 
just stuff that seems so silly now because like, of course, everyone has a phone and how many people are going to iPhone versus Android, like just stuff that is completely relevant today. And so a lot of it was around that. And I, I tell that story because part of the thanks theme was like, it was very cool on the internet for a while to just drop a vowel. That was kind of how you came up with a startup name. And we certainly couldn't afford thanks with the A. So it was a little bit of like, look, it's got to be around gratitude. It's got to be around this idea of the thoughtfulness, but like also what's available, what can we afford? And like, how can we be a cool startup, right? So it's a little sillier than maybe it should be, but that's ultimately how we came up with it. And I think that's important for people who are starting out to remember is it's an evolution. There has to be a starting point. There has to be. Where you start is not where you end up. And so we may go back and look and kind of laugh at our first interview, our first idea, our first whatever that is, but know that that's going to evolve. It's going to evolve if you stick with it. Yes. Yes. You have to be willing and you can't just say, no, I've got the answer. This is what it is. You got to be a little flexible with that. I do think I see sometimes the flip side of people like, well, it's been three months and this isn't working, so I need to pivot, right? Now I'm doing something completely different. Now I'm doing something completely different. Like if you believe in the idea and you vetted it, like you, you have to iterate off it. You have to listen to customers and what people are giving you as feedback, but you also can't hold on to it too tight and you can't just keep doing 360s or 180s and going a t totally opposite direction. And also... At some point, you have to take the leap. You have to dive in. Yeah. I think for a lot of people with really good ideas, you have to take the leap. And that may be the hardest part of trying something new, of doing something new, of starting something new is that jumping off the diving board. Like we can yeah. walk to the edge, we can look around and be excited, but man, when it's time to go, that can be the scariest, but also maybe the most exciting part. Yeah, it's adrenaline for sure. And it's a version of stage fright almost because now you have to put yourself out there. Once you yeah. put that announcement on LinkedIn or that marketing, all the friends and family that you told about it or the ones who gave you the kind of side eye, like yeah, now they're waiting to see if you're going to succeed or fail. And frankly, I, they probably all either don't care or want you to succeed. But in your mind, it's like, all these people are looking at me now. Well, what if that doesn't work? This is my network. This is the thing that means the most to me. No one would care. People very much respect the try, even if you fail at it, if you gave it at your all, but that's not how you feel in it in the moment. You're like, I can't possibly fail in front of all these people. You feel like you're in a spotlight, even though they've all got their own things going on. If I had a rewind button, I'd push it right now and replay that because I think that is so important what you just said. Like in our mind, we have this idea of what people are thinking and that they're judging us and all of that. And not even that they don't care, but there are things going on in their world that they don't even really have the time to think about what's going on in ours. And I think most people really wish for success of others. Yeah. And there are always going to be those detractors, those haters that are going to comment and that are going to say negative things. So let me ask you, when you have those people that say those negative things to you, how do you handle that? Because that can be very hurtful. How do you keep it from being so personal, from letting it get to you so much that it slows you down or stops you? So this is where actually working day in and day out with gratitude is incredibly helpful as a virtue. You force yourself to go, well, I, my whole mission here is around educating people around gratitude and the benefits of it and how you can use it to succeed in business. So 
I need to find the thing to be grateful for in there, right? It's always easy. And I can't say I always do it. But that's the first step. It's like, well, where's this person coming from? Why are they upset? Is there some validity in here? If there's not, then it shouldn't bother me anyway. This is just someone's had a bad day and they're, they're taking it out. Cool. If there is some validity in there, well, I should recognize that. It doesn't mean I necessarily agree with it or need to do anything different, but recognize it's there. And in a lot of cases, it's someone who wants you to be better. I mean, I've had some of the biggest sort of clients who give you the complaints and the, I hate the way this worked. Why didn't that work better? They're also the ones who really want you to succeed. Like they actually believe in you and want your product to work for them. So as much as that can be painful, you're like, man, those are the most important people I probably have in terms of clients. And then, like you said, sometimes there's just kind of the haters and you're like, well, when you step into the ring, that's fine. You can see how it feels. And if you don't, I'm not going to let it bother me. To date, what's been the best thing that's happened to you along this journey? It's interesting because I've like reconnected with so many people and sort of in my, you know, if I'm thinking about this in terms of the business context, a great example, just about a year ago, I hired head of my new customer experience group. And he happens to be my first boss when I got out of college, when I was working in New York at an advertising agency. And we kind of reconnected over the years as I had started Thanks. I had reached out to him, hey, you should try this out. I'd love your feedback. And then he had reached out to me about, you know, I think I'm going to go into a new role. Would you be a sort of a reference, right? As someone who worked for me. And so then last time that happened, we kind of end up in this conversation of, would you want to move to Nashville? And turns out he did. And it's kind of those things. I don't think if I was just kind of going along in my career, I would have necessarily reconnected with so many of the people that I've worked with in the past. But even, you know, not even me thinking about them as potential customers, but they'll reach out like, hey, I was following this. I saw what you've been doing. Like, I actually think it could be applicable to what I'm doing now, right? And then again, it goes back to that, like your lifeblood in business is that network and those relationships. And yes. it's also kind of shocking. I'm out here preaching about the value of that. And I'm like, look at how many people I've lost touch with or could be connecting with or doing just amazing, cool stuff. So I think that's probably one of the best things that's just been an ongoing thing that's happened from running this business. Well, isn't that sort of life? You're on this journey and I like that you talk about staying connected. You stay connected and it might not be that you talk to somebody every day or every month or even every year, but going through this journey, those relationships from last year, five years ago, sometimes those come back and enrich what you're doing currently. And right. wow, man, there's something to be grateful for. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't take long to kind of just, you think about it for a little bit, you flip through your LinkedIn and just reach out, send a note, whatever it is. And just, I was thinking about you. I really appreciated, you know, when we worked together on that thing five years ago, 10 years ago, and Kevin and I's case, 20 years ago. So it's, uh, it's crazy. And it's a great feeling when you have that and, and connect like that. Something else I wanted to ask you about is that great feeling. Giving things to people. It's a little selfish in a way because it feels good. I think the beautiful thing about doing something for someone else is the intention is typically to do something for them, to make them feel good. But what we get in return, my gosh, that in itself is reason to continue to give. It may sound selfish, but what's wrong with that? Yeah, it is. It can almost be a little addicting because it is just a good feeling. I still kind of shock myself. So when I use thanks, I can send something 
and I, I get a little notification when it's opened and when it's redeemed and I'll send a few things that I'm just kind of sitting there and it's up and I'm like, Every time it's like the slot machine. Like, I, mean, I was going to say, it's like a video yeah. game. Again, I'm from a different generation. I think a Pac-Man. It's like, right, oh, right. there you got to get another one, get another one. Yeah, I could, yeah, I could totally see that. Especially if you put some thought into it and, or you know the person. There's times, look, I use thanks a lot where I've just met someone and I'm just going to buy them a cup of coffee or something. That's fine. And that's still a nice feeling. Like it's usually a surprise. Put a good message in, you know, I, I know you're busy. I appreciate it some caffeine to power through the week. But it's even more powerful when it's like, I've met the person, I had one where the person's dog kept barking in the back of our Zoom call. And she was like, so apologetic about it. I felt, I'm like, it's fine. I got a dog, I get it. She's working from home that day. And so I just sent her like, we've got a little thing from PetSmart where you can get grooming done through thanks. And so I, I sent it and honestly didn't think that much of it afterwards. But man, I'm like, so appreciative, you know? And it's like 20 bucks to get the dog groomed. It's yeah. not super valuable thing. But I think just that thought and that it connected to something that was a shared experience. And that's really what feels good when you have these shared experiences. Then that's what builds relationships and trust and all those things. So anytime you can kind of connect that with sort of sending a thing, it's a good feeling. It, it really yeah, is. It really is. It's really a good feeling when you know somebody has opened that up yeah. and you've impacted their day. Like, yeah. Nobody's going to open that up and be grumpy about it. It's not like getting a notice from the IRS. You get this thanks in your email and you're like, man, that was really thoughtful. It is a lot of fun. Can you tell me what are three things you absolutely had to do to get to where you are now? Okay. One, and maybe most important, is find the right people to work with. Especially when you're early and small, just one bad hire or bad culture more than anything, that'll derail the entire thing. And the hardest is if you have someone who's talented in a bad culture fit. As you get into that sort of middle ground, especially when you're more than the three or four people, you're less than 50 people, but you've got to make that hard decision at that point and say, you know, I don't think this is going to work, even though they're bringing in a lot of business or doing a great thing. If you derail that culture early on, it's really not going to work well or work at all. So I think surrounding yourself with the right people, that, that's probably the, the number one thing. I think the second thing I had to do, like I did have to raise capital. And to do that, you bring in a different kind of partner who's got a different view of the business, much more about the numbers and their return and timelines. And that takes your focus away from a little bit of the, the fun stuff and the product and the mission. And it's like, well, the mission can't just be what we want it to be. It's also got to make a return now. It's, it's not a nonprofit. People have put their money into this thing and they need to see that grow. And that changes what you do, but it's super important to find the right partner there. So it's similar as the hiring. I would say there's people who take the first check or the biggest valuation or none of those things over the long term are going to really have as much of an impact as having the right partners in that space who have the same viewpoint as you in terms of the timeline and how big the business can be and how it should be run. I don't know. It's easy for people to overlook that, I think. And it's going to sure. drastically affect your, your day-to-day and everything you're doing. So I gave you two people once. So maybe I should think of something for the third that is outside of the people. No, you know, it, because it does come down to people. It really does. I, I think the third most important thing is setting that precedent of who we're going to be. It's easy to say, well, it's on everyone else to set the culture. Like if they're a bad culture fit, well, what does that mean? That's 
I'm the person who should be setting that culture and making sure that that's in the right direction. And that's something that can get easy to put by the wayside, especially as you hit like a growth stage and it's going to hire a lot of people really quickly. And it's like, well, I just got to find some talented people or people have the right skill set. And it always burns you if you can't find that right group that's cohesive. But that starts with me. If I'm going to be the CEO, I can't say you do it this way. Don't mind me over here screaming at people on the phone because it's, it's all going to feed off of that. And what, even what you allow to happen around the office or the hours we work and where we work from and all that is set by me effectively. And all that's going to affect the culture and, and how people interact and how they view each other. Are we a company that works till 2 a.m. every morning and we just push, 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 push? There's companies that do that. That's where we weren't going to be those people. But we're also not going to be like, yeah, just kind of like check in when you want to check in and, and do your own thing. So balancing that and getting the right culture, I think is super important. And, and that has to start at the top. And I like that you say that. I like that you say that it has to start at the top and it has to continue at the top. Yeah. Because you can't have somebody at the top that says, I want to hire you, consultant or whoever, to come in and fix the people who work here. Right. I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. Fix them so that I can continue to what I'm doing and, and make a lot of money. So I really like that you talked about that because a good leader runs things by setting an example. Maybe that's not the best way to say it, but I think it's not just saying it, it's doing it and doing it day in and day out. And yes, we all have bad days and yes, we all make mistakes. And that's important too. It's important that other people see that you're not infallible, that you make mistakes. So what do you do? How do you respond to that when you make a mistake or maybe you snap at somebody and you know you shouldn't have? What do you do in those moments where you feel like you were wrong? Yeah, you got to own up to it. And the honesty and the sort of authenticity, I think especially with younger generation right now, the authenticity thing is so important to them. And I, I'm sure that stems a lot from social media and how sort of open people are earlier in my career, if there was a mistake or something like that happened and it was someone higher up, it would be much more formal. There'd probably be like a, a memo that was sent around and maybe there'd be a town hall meeting on it. And it's like, it's just not how folks really operate right now, at least with my company, which tends to skew probably a little younger. There needs to be like a one-on-one, -on -one, like address the issue, talk about it, real discussion. And then you can talk about it as the group or it's a little more vulnerable, I think, than it would have been in the past. So I've learned a lot there. I can tell you, you know, we run these like pulse surveys to understand how people are feeling about their jobs and banks. And are you understanding what you need to do? Are you comfortable? Are you happy? And I had one a little while back where I got a few comments. It was during a time where I was raising money and I was like locked away a little more. And I got a bunch of comments in that survey of like, hey, we used to see you more. Not anything in particular, just like, come hang out, say hi, we want to know what's going on. It seems like you're just in your office. And I remember getting and just being so annoyed. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to raise money for the business and I'm busy. And like, I can't just be the mascot. I didn't even need to call Justin or, or talk to Larry like I normally would. I just I had to sit for a second and be like, that doesn't matter for what they need. I can get myself out of the office and go and make sure that I'm being that leader. It doesn't help anybody to have me squirreled away, not telling them what I'm doing. Because part of it wasn't even like, hey guys, here's why you're not seeing me as much as you did before. Me being like, but I'm very busy. And, you know, in some ways that can be worse than snapping or yelling or anything like that. It leaves people like feeling like they're not being communicated to or don't understand what's going on. So 
I've had to learn as well there as much as it's almost the opposite of what we talked about earlier, where, hey, no one's really like, everyone's got their own thing going on. And so they're not worried about whether I'm going to fail at the business or whatever. But when it comes to internal, all eyes are on like, well, if Brendan's upset, something must be wrong. And it's like almost overanalyzed a little bit. And I've had to learn that too. I might be having an issue where I'm mad at the kids at home and I'm stomping around and people are like, what's going on? Did we lose a client? And I'm like, no, my 10-year-old didn't clean up his breakfast. Like, it's just, no, just, like, eyes are on you. So I, I've had to Absolutely. learn that. Absolutely. Well, Brendan, I thank you so much for your time today. I want to ask you one last question. What is a mantra that you live by? What's something that you go to in those moments of great success or those moments of panic or those moments where maybe you didn't do what you wanted to do? What do you try to live by professionally? So I want to tell you it's all comes back to gratitude. And it really does on a daily basis. But there's another one I can give you that's a little odd, but I found weirdly helpful in the tough moments. It's a stoic thing where they have a memento mori, which means remember death. So it feels a little like dark, but it's really just meant to say, you got to live each day to the fullest because none of us are getting out of here. And that could be tomorrow. It could be an hour from now, and it could hopefully be 60 years from now. But just remember that you've got limited time and that you have to put the things you value first and make sure you're giving it your all. So the days where I'm like, I just don't want to do it, whether that's personal or business or whatever, you try to remember that. And the Stoics used to, they would carry a coin with a little like skeleton on it. It was a tangible thing where you could be like, remember. So I've done that where if I get in that mode, I'll put that, we'll carry the coin, but like I'll have the picture as my background on the phone for a while. It's like, just remember you're doing this thing and you don't have forever. And so that's, it's like somewhat morbid, but it's a great grounding thing to be like, every moment matters, be present, like sitting there and scrolling through Reddit or Twitter or something. It's not a good use of your time. As much as it feels good to just disassociate sometimes from the problems, sure. you got to move forward because you'll regret it one day if you don't. And it ties with any study on happiness and gratitude. And when people get older, what are the things you miss? And I know it feels cliche at this point, but nobody is like, I wish I spent that extra hour of work, right? They're, they wish they were at the thing with their kids or with their spouse. So I don't know. I try to keep that in mind and it keeps me grounded a little bit. And it's been pretty helpful. Well, and I think that's helpful to think about for our listeners who are considering taking that leap to follow their passion, we do have an expiration date and we can keep putting it off and keep putting it off. But at some point you have to take that leap of faith. That's right. And you've done such a phenomenal job with leaping, but then following up and growing this thing that reminds us to be thankful and reminds us to share that with our customers, with our friends, with people that we've just met. So Brendan, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing. Thanks with us and your story. That's so impactful. I really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you for having me, Christy. This was a lot of fun and you do a great interview. You made me really think about some stuff I hadn't thought about in a little while. So I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you.